90! Welcome to episode 90 of the Wolfpack Podcast. I'm here with my occasional co-host. I'm Micah. That's right. And uh, Micah, you had a big week. Uh, what happened this week? I had surgery. That's right, you had surgery. I heard something with your eyes. Did the doctor give you laser eyes? No. What happened? Um, she, um, they, they fixed my muscle up in my eye. Yep, so the first they, they took a sharp object and they cut open your eye, right? Mm-hmm. They had and, to bust that bad boy open. And guess what else? What? Mr. Schmidt came over. Okay, so you guys, listen to this. Micah gets eye surgery. The next day, or maybe two days after, his teacher in 4K comes over with an array of gifts from her and all of his classmates, and it was all superhero stuff, fruit snacks and a Iron Man, no, yeah, like a Lego set with, thi- who, who are the guys? Um, Thanos and Iron Man. And then you got a Captain America, a small Captain America that fits inside of a Captain America robot, right? Yeah, and I bought Colton that gift, too. Yes. Colton, if you're listening, spoiler alert, that is what you are getting for your birthday party this Saturday. No, no, shh. We don't want Colton, no. Do you think Colton listens to my podcast? No. Colton, if you're listening, as well as to everyone else, you can support the show at $1 a month, $5 a month, or $10 a month. Any support is appreciated. And as always, we just appreciate you listening. Right, Micah? Mm-hmm. All right. And... What? And I... I colored a picture in one of Mrs. McGift's um, Green Goblin and Spider-Man. Yep, because one of them was a coloring book. All right, your part of the intro is done. Say bye. Bye. So <clears throat> I am in, uh, if you listened to the podcast a couple weeks ago, Taylor, Whitney, and I started our Axe Lober Challenge where we are attempting to slow down. So the idea is uh, he has to watch There Will Be Blood, I have to watch Lord of the Rings, and then we each have to... Uh, walk 31 miles total, and I'm not a walker, I'm a runner, so uh, that's hard for me just to slow down. Uh, we have to do a total of eight hours of yoga, uh, 60 minutes of planking, and then uh, I think there's one other thing, and uh, I also am going to teach myself to iron. I've never learned how to iron, and I have a lot of wrinkly shirts that I take to the dry cleaner once a year, and uh, that's a lazy man's ironing. And I got to tell you, man, maybe it's just because it's new and it's fresh. I really like the yoga thing. Like, I mean, my shoulders were previously so tight. And uh, since I've done a, just about two hours of yoga in the last week, and uh, dude, it, it, stretching has really made a difference in my shoulders. Of course, that could all be mental. I could just be excited about the new thing. Who knows? The human mind is, a, is kind of a mystery. I spent uh, the first three days of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, in the middle of the woods, man, all by myself at a silent prayer retreat. And so it was like Monday at noon until Wednesday at noon, no talking, no human interaction, just meditation and uh, beholding. And at the beginning of it, I, I literally drew a line in the sand. And this is under the recommendation of this Franciscan friar named Richard Rohr. But I, I drew a line in the sand and I said, um, when I step onto the other side of this line, I will begin 
to behold. I will begin to slow down and behold the beauty of creation, uh, the beauty of God, and just do my best to listen, to slow down and listen. I cut my gait in half, and I walked about half as fast as I typically do. Um, It was good. I did resist the urge to record a podcast on the Silent Prayer Retreat. Obviously, that would be like a contradiction because you would talk on the podcast. Uh, But I was just in that creative mood, but I didn't. And uh, it was good. I'm going to, this is my third time taking a retreat to a silent place, uh, like the movie. Or no, what's that called? Quiet Place. This was a silent, it wasn't quiet, it was silent. Uh, a, A silent place is where I went. And uh, I feel refreshed. I feel refreshed. Ladies and gentlemen, the guest on the podcast today is a man by the name of Jason Sir. And he told me a couple hunting stories a couple weeks ago. And I was like, dude, come on the podcast. He goes, all right, I'll go. I'm leaving for several days to go kill some animals in the mountains of Colorado. Uh, as soon as I get back, we'll do it. He got back and he tells this incredible story as well as has some resources. He's an awesome guy, uh, just a really easy person to talk to uh, and just a joy to hang out with. So please enjoy my conversation with the mighty Jason, sir. Welcome to the Wolfpack Podcast, everybody. My name is Tyler Wolf, and I'm here with this week's guest, Jason Sir. How hey, you doing? I am doing great. How are you? Good. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Great and to be here. Listen, there is a very... We have business to take care of on this episode. There's a very specific reason I asked you to come on this show, other than the fact that I like you, and I like talking to you, and that I think you're going to have some good resources. And so we're going to talk about resources, but then I want to I get down to that business, which is hearing stories of the hunt of the hunt which you just you were just gone for 10 days yeah uh, about 12 days total i was gone where were you at i was in montana chasing after some elk wow yeah dude i am so lucky to have people like you to live vicariously through (laughs) because not only i i've had to force myself to cap my hobbies Mm -hmm. because i just love i get so into things you know But I also am cheap, and I'm not. It's, it's not a hobby I'm ready to do yet. Mm-hmm. Maybe one day. Yeah. So, anyways, I have people like you just to hear the stories, and then of course, meat eater on YouTube. That's my go-to. Oh yeah, yep, absolutely. Me too. I actually even got my wife into watching it. Yeah. So now I can't watch it on TV unless she's with me because she's like, I want to see yeah. it too. I, you can't watch it without me. So yeah, I'm not, not mad about that either. <laughs> yeah, my wife doesn't. Watch the show with me. She'll get into it a little bit up until they start skinning the animal. And that she doesn't like. See, that's funny. That's almost where my wife really gets into it. She's like, oh, they're going to make that into something they can eat. Oh, yeah. Like, let's see, what do they do? And, you know, she grew up in a, in a hunting family, too, so it's not weird for her. Yeah. But she's like, I want, I want to see what, how we can use this stuff. And it's weird. And I actually weirded out all my friends this last winter. You know, I, I made them t- uh, deer and elk tongue tacos. And they're like, dude, you're not really going to do this, are I you? It's like, really good. It's delicious. It's yeah. fantastic. You just got to not tell people that they're eating tongue because it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just another part of the body. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's in Oregon. I saw uh, there's a video of one of my friends who went and shot uh, a deer in Minnesota, and then he was like, "Hey, film me." I wasn't there, but this yeah. is what happened in the video. And he reached and he got the heart out and he took a bite <laughs> of the heart raw. <laughs> Pretty gnarly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, crazy man. Now, was that safe because they don't eat other animals? I don't think it was safe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's something you tell somebody that's never done it before. You know, like, oh, you have to do that as yeah. your rite of passage. <laughs> but usually, nobody ever actually does it. So yeah, yeah, wow. I, I would do. I just I've told me too. Yeah. <laughs> so the Woodpack Podcast. It's the show where if you have something smart to say, somebody probably already said it better in nicer terms. It's curation, where we just share with the audience what it is we've consumed either recently or 10 years ago, whatever it is, that has an impact on us so that we can influence others positively through recommendation, not just through creating something original because there's really nothing new anymore. Yeah, so. Ab- absolutely. You had already mentioned one, the meat eater. You know, yeah. I, every Monday morning I was listening to the podcast on the way over, and it's uh, it's fun to listen to the podcast, see them on YouTube or just on Netflix, just to see the stuff they do. Yeah, I really dig those guys because it's not a it's not a killing show. It's not like hey, yeah. we got to go out and kill this, otherwise it's a complete failure. You know, some of the times they miss like a normal person does, or some of the times they just pass and they're like, yeah, yeah, I wasn't feeling it today. Yeah, I don't want to do it, and that's not why I'm here. Right. So that's. That's been really cool. So Meat Eater was one of your pre-planned... Oh, Oh, that's so funny. (laughs) Wow, I didn't mean to spoil that. Yeah, I totally agree, and I think he articulates his philosophy so clearly. Yeah. Uh, And I would argue that the majority of hunters I've met share the same philosophies about the actually the value and the dignity in the animal's life and the dignity in dying for this purpose, but the majority of hunters I know can't say it like Steve Rinella says it. He, I mean, he's a writer first, yeah, a chef second, yeah. and hunter third. Like that's, I mean, I think that's a, a big draw to him because, yeah, it's not just about, it's not just about getting stuff. You know, one of the things that he had said, he was talking about, uh, you know, just as you're hunting, you're sitting there for a long time, you got a lot of time to think. He's like, I couldn't imagine ten years ago what I my life would be like today. You, you know, ten years from that, point. right? And he's like, man. I can't imagine what my life will be like 10 years from now. And I don't think I want to. I don't yeah. want it to be the same. I want it to be different. It's, yeah. like, oh, it's just just good yeah. thought, introspective. And oh, I love it, man. Yeah, it's yeah. so cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Okay, so, so another resource. Hit me. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I thought about this, too. And I'm like, you know what the best resource is? Is just more experienced people, old guys. You know, oh, whenever nice. we go out to eat, my wife and I, you know, I got terrible hearing. I can't hear, but I can always... Hear somebody talk about, you know, hunting, a trip, this or that. And I've gotten into more conversations with just older people and getting their real life, uh, their real life experiences. And it's been awesome because, you know, I'm coming up on my 40s now. So I've started to accumulate some adventures and stories and things. But there's nothing better than hearing the way, you know, my dad's generation used to do it. And and what trips are they doing and why are they doing it? And yeah. like so, actually, just talking to other people, but it, it takes a little bit of work and a little cur- courage. Yes, because you can't just sit there to yourself the whole time. It's actually getting out and meeting people and yeah. and asking them questions, and then kind of shutting up for the most part and letting them talk. Yeah, so you can get their wisdom to you. That's an incredible resource, man. Yeah. And two things: one, I love that yeah. you recommended that just older <laughs> dudes as a, yeah. as a reference or as a resource. Yeah. 
one of my one of my musical heroes, Jonathan Ford, actually came on my show, and one of his resources was the desert. He was like, it just when I think about the desert or go to the desert, it just really inspires me. I think everyone should try it. I'm yeah. like, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's an incredible. Because yeah. I tell everyone, bring your books, bring your movies and articles. Uh, c- of course, they bring those because that's what I tell them to bring. Yeah. But I love a resource like that. Yeah. Second thing is my first ever job uh, out of college was at a church in rural Wisconsin in a very elderly community. And I had no choice but to make friends with the elderly. I mean, these were just yeah. some of my only friends, you know? Yeah. And for ex- all the reasons you've already stated, it was incredible, man. Yeah. So much wisdom and knowledge and experience. It, it, it's something that you don't appreciate when you're younger. You know, I got I got one of my friends now. At a, we have a place up north. Um, he was a good friend, a friend of my dad's. My dad passed away eight years ago now, so now he's a good friend of mine. So yeah. I tell my wife, I'm like, oh, I'm going to hang out with my friend Dick. And it's like, Dick's an 88-year-old man yeah. that is about five foot five. I'm six five, so it's funny standing next to him because yeah. we look ridiculous together. But, I mean, I could sit and listen to that guy for hours and hours and just, yeah, the stories he has and the wisdom he's got. And it's like, oh, I'm glad I appreciate yeah. getting this information now. And, and, yeah, I'll sit there for two hours without saying anything and just, soaking it all in so yeah that's awesome man good resource yeah, yeah. what else you got um you know, I, you know not necessarily on the hunting thing but yeah, you fine. know i'm just trying to you know think of where i'm at in life and trying to get better i got two little girls that are coming up on their teenage years and yeah I feel it yeah i know what's happening so i've i've been trying to just be a better parent mm-hmm. and just reading reading some parenting books and you know i found a couple of different books i can't remember who wrote them actually so it's a terrible yeah, we'll resource but just the importance of uh of a dad in a daughter's life yeah i never thought it was uh that big of a deal it's like oh yeah mom takes care of you know boys and this and that and it's yeah. like these books are like no like you probably deal. almost more important than than a mom in uh in just the development of these little girls i'm like well, that's one of my high priorities in life is making sure that I raise them to be good people, successful people, whatever that means. I don't even know what that means, but, you know, yeah. I just got to be present and not, not floating off in my own world yeah. about every other, everything the, else. The sword a dad wields is sharp. Yeah. And it can it can do good or it can really create a know. wound, you know. Yeah. So is there like a specific book that stuck out to you? It's okay if you don't. Yeah, I don't. Um, I'm actually. A, yeah. I'm a big reader, and I. Yeah. It's gets to the point that I forget titles and authors yeah. and all that too. I I try to start reading a lot more. I got into uh, like Andy Frisella and the seventy five hard thing, and you know one of it is reading oh, yeah. ten pages a day. So I I had a stack of books, and I've gone through a few of them now. But but yeah, yeah now that I think of it, I forgot the titles of them. No, no worries. So how many more research or what else you got? Um, you know and. On, on the hunting side, it's like, you know, there's so much stuff on YouTube. You can watch videos, kind of whatever you're into, whether yeah. it's elk or moose or deer. Um, uh, you know, professionally, I, you may have said it, but Jocko's book, The Extreme Ownership. Sure, I haven't uh, read that one. I'm I'm currently reading yeah. uh, Leadership Strategy and Tactics. Okay. Incredible book. But sorry, Extreme yeah. Ownership. No, I, I liked it because, you know, I read it a couple years ago when I was at a, a time in, in the career where it wasn't going so hot. And I'm, you know. No, I'm in sales, so my numbers were awesome. I'm kicking butt, and I'm like, I'm doing great, but I didn't feel it. Yeah. I'm like, what am I doing wrong here? Like, this can't be my fault because my numbers are great, right? And, 
and then I read this book and I step back. I'm like, oh, dude, I'm I'm missing a lot of things here yeah. that could make this all go better. Um, but it, it it's nice just you know the thought of taking ownership of everything you have, even if you don't think it's your fault. Right. Taking ownership of it. And I love it. To make it better, your situation better. Yeah, absolutely. Like you can't really go wrong. Yeah. That way, no one's gonna because you you the fear with extreme ownership. Uh, it's false fear, but it's that people will think less of you. Yeah, because you go, oh no, at, on one, on some, at one point or another, that's my fault. Yeah, this thing happened down here, and I'm up here as a leader. It's my, it comes back to me. Yeah, you know, and people just respect it. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Awesome. Well, let's talk hunting. Yes. Tell me a story. Oh, I got some good ones. <laughs> you know, know it's really cool. Yeah, I, I grew up on a farm. My dad was a big hunter, and so I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm gonna be a hunter. Yeah. I was 12 years old. My dad took me out. And I'm like, I hate this. I am a spaz. I don't like sitting still. Sure. This is the dumbest thing ever to, to hope a deer comes by. <laughs> and it was years. Like, I didn't like it. Yeah. But then as I grew up, became a professional, got a job. And I'm like, man, I would like nothing more yeah. than to just sit here <laughs> and not see anything or get into it. But, uh, yeah, I really started getting into it. Uh, did a lot of whitetail hunting, but I had always wanted to do a trip. You know, you see this stuff on TV, and it's like, that looks fun. Yeah. We don't have mountains in Wisconsin. It'd be cool to see a mountain. Because so, you were raised in Wisconsin? Yeah. yeah. I, I grew up in Watertown, like 45 minutes from yeah. where I'm at now. But uh, So I had always had big plans to go and do this. Um, one of my, fir- my first trip that I took for hunting, uh, I, a buddy and I planned on going to Colorado for, for elk hunting. And we really enjoyed doing it with the bow or shooting our bows. And we're like, let's try it with the bow. But we're probably, you know, we've been deer hunting for a whole bunch of time. Let's go on the cheap and do it ourselves. And that was probably the stupidest thing I've said in a long time. You mean, so like without a guide? Without a guide, we'll go out there. So we did find like an outfitter that had a lodge for us that we could stay there. But we're like, oh, we'll just go for a walk through the mountains and, you know, run into something, right? And yeah, yeah they're, they're smart animals, right? Yeah. Yeah, oh, good sense man. of smell. The smell, the they play the wind, they can hear everything, yeah. they can see for miles. It's yeah, just some novice dudes from Wisconsin who have never done it before. We didn't have a good chance. So we ended up getting the guide. Um and he tr- trucked us around for a couple of days. He put us on horses and I don't like horses. Oh. I've never liked any sport that requires or that has the chance of falling down. I'm six yeah. five, so I know that it really hurts to fall. Yeah. And so getting on a horse where I'm out of control, don't have control of it, and I'm not a not a fan. So my horse's name was Peons, and I should have known right then that yeah. I I was I should have walked. Yeah. Uh, but man, that thing just wanted to eat and do his own thing. So luckily, the uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> my buddy loves telling the story, just watching me with it because. Him and I were like yelling at each other, swearing at each other. Yeah. Except the horse can't talk back, so it was really stupid looking. But, right. Um, yeah, we ended up switching horses. I got a new horse named Spanky, which was right <laughs> up my alley. But uh, we had gone hunting all week, saw a moose. Didn't really see much for elk, and we got to the last day, and we, the owner of the uh, the outfitter, Sean's like, "Hey, I got a spot. Can I come with you guys?" Right. Yeah, it's our last day. If we don't get anything, we're getting off the mountain. We're driving back to Wisconsin. And so we go out to the spot and he's like, okay, we got to wait until the wind shifts. And so it's going downhill and then we're going to get into where we're going and, and we're going to get, get after it. And it probably gets dark at seven thirty at this point. 
and we didn't get into our spot until seven. I'm like, man, what are we waiting for? Yeah. So we're just waiting so long and we're wasting time. And it's your last day. It's our last day. We're going, I'm, I'm basically packing in my head already. Yeah. So we get out there. It's a gorgeous meadow area. Like we're downhill a little bit and there's a, a little creek and a, a mud wallow. So a wallow is where, you know, it's just a real wet, muddy area that elk will come in and like slop around and just get disgusting in. Yeah. And they think it's cool. Uh, so I went on the one side of it, and my buddy's up 50 yards to my right and uphill slightly. And like five minutes into uh, our hunt, the, the guides are behind us calling, and we hear one call back. I'm like, oh, my gosh, here, here we go. It's on. And so a nice one, nice shooter comes out, a five-by-five five elk, and, and a small you know juvenile that's not big enough to shoot. Yeah. And I had been practicing. I was out to 65 yards. I'm like, 65 is my max can't do anything more than that and of course i i see how far away 72 okay won't come in within yeah <laughs> closer than the 72 so after a few minutes it's starting to get darker and we hear another scream from the woods and another bull comes out dude just hollering like ready for a fight he's all amped up comes in and he dives into the mud wallow just splashing around like he was just this gorgeous yeah. golden color and he gets up and he's just just covered in mud and nasty looking it's like what happened to him but he gets out and he starts walking right at me i'm like oh, oh my gosh here we go here we go and i'm behind a tree i got good cover and he gets like 30 yards from me <laughs> and i draw my bow back and as i'm drawn he looks at me and i and i stop and as i'm like holding i hear <laughs> my buddy who was 50 yards up into my right had a perfect oh, broadside dude. shot and he sticks him. Wow. Perfect shot. I'm like, oh my gosh. It's it we did it. We we made it yeah. happen. It's a twelve percent success rate with the bow. Yeah. And we did it. Our first trance out. But that other elk was still up there and he kind of ran off. Yeah. And the guys are behind us still calling and the thing stops. Well, let me ask you this. Yeah. At this point, is there any negative feeling towards your friend at this point? Zero. Zero. So, okay. so going into you. it, we're like, we're, we're, we're team and we're, you know, we split meat and we had said, if you have a shot, take the shot. Yeah. We want to get it out. So yeah, absolutely zero. Cool. Like it was, yeah, it was yeah. cool. I was doing the happy dance. Yeah. But, uh, that other elk ran up and then he starts coming back. <laughs> I'm like, holy cow. I mean, we got like five minutes on the last it's day dark <laughs> and the thing starts walking directly at him. So I can see my buddy standing there. And the thing is in front of him, 20 yards broadside from me. And I range it, and it's at 57 yards. I would never take a 57-yard shot at a at a deer, but these things got a big target. And I'm like, yeah. man, I said 65, right? If I don't shoot, I'm, you know, I'm I'm not getting anything. We got like two minutes before it's dark now. I'm like, let's let it fly. Yeah. And I shoot and I'm waiting. I'm like, oh man, I'm waiting. I'm like, ah. Oh. I didn't hit it. And then I hear whap. I'm like, oh uh, my gosh. Dude. <laughs> I hit it. I couldn't tell where it was so far away and so yeah. dark, but uh, the thing runs off and it, it was great. My buddies is uh, kind of went down, went over towards the woods a little bit. Yeah, and I went. We met up, and he's like, "Dude, you you got it. You, you great shot on it. We got two elk that are going to be down here. Yeah. So we uh, we took care of his elk." And then we couldn't find mine that night, but the next morning we came up and walked right up to it. So wow, it was awesome, like incredible. To, to do and nothing else got to it. Nothing else got to it. Nice. Yep, we were up there the next morning. But I mean, it was the coolest. You don't even see that on TV to to take two elk, 
right in front of each other. Each elk was actually closer to the other guy yeah. than it was to... And it's crazy that you were both aiming for that first one at the same moment. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that would have been pretty funny to, Great. to yeah, both right? let it go. And yeah. But yeah, no. It That's was, insane, man. It was the coolest. It was, it's, it's hard to top that and being our first elk trip, so... Yeah. Obviously, we had to keep going and right. keep, keep chasing after stuff, but so yeah. You, so you feel dressed the next day? Yeah, so the his we, we got and we corded it up and hung it in the tree and then we brought more horses up to, uh, to pack everything out and found mine, took care of that and got down. We were planning on leaving five that morning if we didn't get anything. It was five the next evening by the time we got down and we're like, oh man, his wife had to go to Cranberry Fest. To Ike, so I'm like, we got to get going. Yeah. We got to get yeah. home. No stopping. And so yeah, we made it home and it was it was awesome. Wow, man. Yeah, yeah it's incredible. Mm-hmm. So you still have that same bow? Actually, I upgraded this year. So, uh, he had gotten one for another trip that we did in Montana. I'm like, I got a little jealous. He had it, the thing just zipped. It was so cool. So yeah. I, I upgraded and got a new one this year. I was, I was working at a summer camp two years ago, two or three years ago, sitting there. My buddy was getting ready to go to. As soon as camp was over, yeah, he was going to Colorado for an elk hunt. Yeah, and uh, he was showing us his bow that his buddy had lent him. Yeah, did I tell you the story? No. And he goes, yeah, do you check it out or whatever? And he was like, it's set at, what's a, what's a... 60. 60. 60 so it was set higher than that. It was going to yeah. be hot. It was going to be hard to pull back. Yeah. Um, and I was like, let me, he's like, yeah, go ahead, try. So like one guy pulls it back, he tries, whatever, he gets it. And I was like, so what do I do? So I'm trying to pull it back. I can't pull it back. And, uh, and he goes, well, you need to, while you're pulling it, you need to also be pushing it. Yeah. I didn't realize, you know what yeah. I mean? I've never handled any of these things. Yeah. Um, and so I find, and I pull it back, and I get really excited. I'm like, dude, I got it. Because yeah. it was like 90 pounds. It's so heavy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a normal person would just slowly. Please tell me you didn't let go. I let go. No. I dry fired it. Oh, I mean, no. and it was like, like oh. slammed. I mean, it was so loud. Yeah. And it's like this uh, really expensive bow. Somewhere from the, the western coast of Wisconsin, like uh, McPherson or yeah. uh, Matthews. Matthews, That's yeah. What it is. yeah. Same family. Oh, man. I busted that thing up, dude. <laughs> There's a lot of damage. Yeah. And I just wanted to... Cr- and he had to leave to hunt next week. Oh, I just man. wanted to... <sighs> cr- so really, this isn't so much of a story as it is a warning yeah. to not let me handle your bow. Yeah, got it. <laughs> You're yeah. like, I won't. Yeah, no, don't worry. You can look at it if you want. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to let you touch it. <laughs> nice. Well, thanks for coming on the show, man. Yeah, you bet. You're welcome back anytime. Great, thank you. All right.